Based on our research, it's estimated that the buy now, pay later, or otherwise known as BNPL landscape, currently comprises more than 170 providers, with new ones being added to the battleground every single month. It is no doubt that the market is experiencing an exponential growth, especially in North America, Europe, and Australia. Today, we have seen the trend steaming up in Asia as well, and Southeast Asia is no exception. In this episode, we will be debunking how the business model works from a consumer viewpoint to a provider standing. So let's discuss the potential growth of BNPL in Southeast Asia and the possibility for BNPL to challenge traditional loan installments or credit cards. Welcome back to Asia Tech Group. I'm Silmay, and joining me today is my co-host, Jesse. Today, we are going to talk about Buy Now, Pay Later, a new flexible payment solution that is booming globally. You may heard about Buy Now, Pay Later pioneers like Afterpay, Klarna, a firm ZipPay, as they are raising enormous funds from the investors, hitting the IPO markets, and having remarkable acquisition deals. So, for example, Square has recently bought Afterpay for $29 billion in an all-stock deal. Meanwhile, in Southeast Asia, we have notable players like Atomi, Hula, Akulaku, and even giants like Shopee, Grab, Faith. They have launched their own buy now pay later within their own ecosystems, such as SPay Later, Pay Later by Grab, and Faith Pay Later. Yeah, and I think we touched upon this uh, in a previous episode. So head on there um, to listen to our super app extension into different business models. But for today, uh, let's focus on BNPL. I think it's rather impressive to see how BNPL, I think despite being a new fintech category in Southeast Asia, is growing at a rapid pace, right? I think based on the data that we have at hand, there are about 19 homegrown BNPL providers in the region. And these 19 providers actually raised $1.4 billion in funding. That is almost like, you know, if you really divide it out, close to 100 million per person. So um, it is very hot right now. And some of the leading firms are Atomi, Grab Financial, FinSL, um, and also Akulaku. Account for about, you know, 80% of total funding in Southeast Asia BNPL space. So... Yeah. I believe that BNPL isn't strange to consumers who are constantly shopping online, not us. <laughs> and as BNPL startups are expanding vigorously, I started to see this payment option, you know, being offered in brick and mortar stores as well, like Zara, Uniqlo, and H&M. So I think the other day I actually went to Sephora. Um, they actually asked me if I want to pay with Atomi, um, which I was quite shocked, frankly, <laughs> that is ready there. So to be honest, I think the BNPL concept from a high-level understanding is quite similar or it sounds almost like an installment plan provided by legacy banks. So you know how people would usually buy a smartphone like iPhone using credit cards, right? Uh, and the merchants offer something like 12 months to up to 36 months easy payment at 0% interest. I would have converted into 36 months. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so well, I I think 
I kind of agree that buy now, creator and credit card installments are quite similar um, in the sense of both of these payments methods, they provide an alternative options to the consumers. So instead of paying the full amount at one off, you can buy things by paying a fraction of the price first and pay the balance off later. So today, um, let us start off with the buy now creator business model. And I want to debunk that. Um, how, how is the business model actually different from a credit card to a consumer's perspective? So um, first of all, we will start with the eligibility to use this facility. So for buy now, pay later, um, usually the providers, they do not actually conduct a credit check or, you know, the, the most of it, they will only conduct soft credit pool on basic financial information of the consumers. And the credit limit can actually be determined by the default payment card that um, they are using on top of buy now, pay later. Um, for example, the credit card is usually, you know, the credit the credit limit for credit card is usually higher than a debit card. So um, in credit card case, um, if you want to, if you ever applied for a credit card, you are usually required to fulfill a list of criteria to actually be eligible to apply for a credit card. And the credit limit would actually be determined by your ability to pay off um, based on your personal income debt ratio. Right. Yeah, and in fact, recently I was notified by Shopee. Um, Shopee S Pay Later. Shopee gave me a credit limit up to six thousand ringgit, which is a thousand odd US dollars, and I can simply activate it by uploading my identity card onto its system. Really, goodness! This actually reminds me of when I had my first credit card from one of the banks in Malaysia. They only gave me a credit limit like what? 5.5 thousand ringgit. And I remember I was filling long applications from at the counter and the agents actually check on my repayment record for PTPDN loans, for my car loans. And also I'm required to submit like three months pay slips to get that credit card. Yeah. And I think that the accessibility um, is a key differentiation point between BNPL because it's so easy to actually you know, adopt such facilities and it presents credit terms to those who do not actually own a credit card. Um, perhaps they prefer not to use it or in fact, they're not even eligible for one. Yep, yep, correct. So coming back to the business model, um, the second thing I would like to talk about is the payment term and also the ticket size of the loans. So first of all, um, the payment term for buy now, pay later is usually shorter than uh, the traditional installments. Uh, for buy now, pay later, it's usually three to six months, depending on how the provider actually uh, designed it. So in some uh, special case, like Klarna or Firm, I don't really remember, um, they can actually extend it up to 12 to 13 months, um, depending on the terms and condition that they have with the merchants, right? So for the, for the credit cards, um, if you are familiar you know, using the credit cards, you, you actually need to pay your consolidated amount that you spend by the end of the month. So if you convert um, into, if you opt to convert the amount into an installment, then it will be usually 6, 12, 24, 36 months. Uh, however, the conversion plans are not always available. Uh, it is usually only limited for registered merchant at a certain amount. 
let's say, $3,000 above, um, $5,000 above. And on top of that, consumers might be charged with processing fees for the installment conversions too. All right. So next, we'll talk about the ticket size of the loans. For buy now, pay later, it is usually to cater for smaller ticket size items. For example, um, if you actually use Atomi before, uh, the minimum value customers can pay through Atomi is as low as one US dollars, which is about what thirty three cents per month. So I guess um, for a credit card, uh, if you really want to convert into an installment, like I mentioned earlier, is for bigger ticket size items like electronic goods, like iPhones, right? And it's also subject to your credit limit that you are granted for by the bank. Yeah, so I think from what Sumi is saying, in a way, the BNPL actually allow mass market adoption, right? The mass markets are allowed to purchase goods and even their necessities without actually having to disrupt their cash flow or even disrupt it at a very, very minimal level. So looking at the figures um, reported by some of the BNPL's providers, I believe these new payment services has played a very significant role during the COVID-19 pandemic. I think is is um, when you look at Afterpay's annual report uh, for 2020, they actually almost, you know, I mean, in fact, not even almost, like they actually doubled uh, and even did more than that in terms of active users acquisition. So they brought about 4.6 million users from 4.6 to about 9.9 million users in 12 months. And when you look at another report of, from another BMPL provider, which is Credivo, which is based in Indonesia, it shows that 55% of their consumers use BNPL for the very first time during the pandemic. So in fact, they actually use the facility to manage their cash flow for household appliances, for phone credit reloads, and vouchers um, as well as food. Yeah, I have to admit that final Operator is a tool to help in managing cash flows uh, for the consumers during uncertain times like this. It's actually solving um, the pain points of many consumers, right? And I think now, Vinyl Plater is in the spotlight and this training service has been receiving more critics from the public as well as economic analysts. But I guess it's always two sides of the same coin, like credit cards and other conventional loans by the banks. Uh, it really depends on how the consumer use it and how they want to use it, how they utilize this facility that is granted by the bank and other providers. So I guess that's also a reason why regulators are coming into the final pay later picture. They want to regulate this space and, you know, try to avoid a consumer debt bubble from happening. Well, perhaps we can discuss this in another episode. So coming back to the last thing about the buy now, pay later business is the fees incurred. Talking about interest and late payment fees, when you opt for buy now, pay later, as a consumer, at most of the time, you do not have to pay any interest to enjoy the credit facilities. However, if you fall behind and miss the payment on due, the provider will actually charge a penalty known as a late payment fee. So um, usually it will be X percent monthly on your overdue amount. So in the case for Tomi, if you make a late payment, you'll be required to pay all your outstanding amount immediately. Plus a flat administrative fees cap at $16 if I remember correctly. 
So essentially, uh, you will be suspended from making new purchase with the same provider if you fail to pay on time. And I also read through in some of the provider's term of service that your debt might be referred to a third-party debt collection agency too. So yeah, I mean, as a consumer, you have to be very cautious about these terms and conditions. Yeah, and I think the key uh, is that you know, if you pay on time, BNPL is much more consumer friendly uh, as a credit facility. Because like we discussed earlier, for credit cards, you're required to pay, you know, your balance by the end of the month, else you're charged, you know, with a monthly interest ranging from about 15% to 17% per annum, which is very, very high um, if you actually, you know, calculate it. Yep. And even there's an option for you to convert into installments from your credit card, right? But again, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes the consumers might need to bear the processing fees for that conversion itself. Or, you know, it might also charge you a certain percentage of interest if, you know, the merchant is not doing any campaign with the banks. Yeah, so that's uh, a bit of background about BNPL model and how it works. So the next, um, we would definitely like to go into how BNPL actually makes money and how, you know, the BNPL providers are transforming to sustain their business. But before we proceed to that portion, uh, I just want to point out a single fact about BNPL, um, which is likely more relevant to merchants. So despite BNPL not charging any fee, they act or at a very minimal amount to the consumers for using the service, the providers will actually capture about 2% to 8%, depending on who's your provider, of the payment process from the merchants. And that's essentially the bulk or the basis of their revenue model. Yep. So to give uh, the audience a more holistic view of how buy now pay to providers actually make money from the service, there's two revenue streams that they are currently you know, focusing on. Number one, the transaction fees that they charge to the retailers or merchants. Number two, the late payment fees. So as for now, these are essentially the main revenue streams of the business, right? But to be honest, I think these are quite a low margin business with high potential credit losses for every single transaction that they process, right? However, um, if you look at more established players like Klarna and Afterpay, they have actually started to kick off new transformations on their business model. For instance, Klarna is launching an, a super app that consolidates e-commerce, payment management, and after-sales service within the app. So they no longer exist as just another payment service, but transforming themselves into a shopping hub. What they are doing is they are trying to shift the consumers into their ecosystem a buy-now-pay-later-driven ecosystem where you can shop at any online stores that is integrated into the super app and pay every transaction using buy-now-pay-later. This is regardless of whether Klarna has a standing partnership with the seller or not. I think there will definitely be you know, more different kinds of transformation coming up as buy-now-pay-later providers continue to evolve. Yeah, and I think Sumi and I we'll definitely keep an eye on what's to come next. Definitely. For, yeah. So I think that when you look at innovation, whenever there's an innovation, especially technologies like BNPL, 
that has gained such a huge traction and adoption, I think it's more common for the market to ponder on the question, how far will this innovation or platform go in Asia or even the Southeast Asia region only? So when will BNPL actually replace legacy credit business at the end of the day? What do you think, Xiumi? Yeah. Really? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Let me start with the growth drivers for BNPL. I think BNPL provides a simple integration to retailers' existing payment service processes, right? So if you if you build your e-commerce website on tools like Shopify, WooCommerce, which most of them actually does, there is actually a plug-and-play approach um, that allows retailers um, to get on board and offer BNPL as a new payment option. So imagine, right, instead of you know, allowing to pay um, aside from FPX directly to the bank instead of Visa and MasterCard, you will see maybe a Tomi or Afterpay within one of the options as well. And given the growth uh, in Southeast Asia, there's a huge opportunity for BNPL providers to shift consumers, you know, from another payment method to BNPL. And as mentioned in our earlier episode, uh, Web Pandemic and E-Commerce, that episode, according to Google Southeast Asia Economy Report, Southeast Asia E-Commerce generally is very big. It is in fact standing at about $120 billion for 2021 in terms of GMV. And the re- recent report actually shows that, you know, Singapore, um, one of the most prominent BNPL market, actually has already, BNPL prices actually captured about of the population, you know, with their services. So if you calculate and just a rough estimation from us, for e-commerce alone, and we're not even talking about any other things, just e-commerce alone, the addressable transaction in Southeast Asia for BNPL uh, in the next five years should fall within the range of $89 billion by 2025, hypothetically speaking. Definitely impressive to see how Buy Now Pay is growing in Southeast Asia. And I guess the correlation between e-commerce and biomedical is simply too significant. It's, it's actually hard for any investors or consumers to actually ignore that. So another important factor that I see would be the economic factor that actually drives Rhino Paylater in Southeast Asia. I believe um, all of us have read about the world is now experiencing the worst inflation in nearly 40 years. So stagnating pay and soaring prices are pushing the consumers towards relying on credit facility to make ends meet. And buy now, pay later appears to be a more convenient credit facility for these consumers because they are focusing on financing smaller ticket size items such as groceries, petrol, household items, and to name a few. Next is the credit card penetration rate in Southeast Asia. It is no doubt that we all know Singapore definitely has the highest credit card penetration. So if you look at a report by BCG, 85% of the population in Singapore, um, age 15 and older, has a credit card. However, the rates actually dropped to 30% in Thailand, 11% in Vietnam, 6% in Indonesia, and for Malaysia, it's only 29%. So to be honest, I'm quite surprised by the numbers when I you know, did a research on it. So I guess the non-credit card users will be the primary group that drives final pay the growth in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I think I am surprised as well by the low penetration. It's uneven across the region. 
So just to add another factor that may fuel the BNPL business is the rise of gig economy. So we all know that gig economy is a mega trend. Um, we will share that in another episode. But when you look at uh, the gig job, right, despite being considered as an employment, it is still not fully protected or even recognized by the labor system, uh, mostly in Asia, due to the nature of the jobs, right? Its unstable income may fluctuate. That's what most regulators are worried about. So for instance, gig workers or freelancers might not actually have the necessary income statements to apply for a credit card facility, while traditional banks um, cannot accommodate these changes in the employment sector. So... BNPL will be an alternative for gig uh, workers as the only requirement would be an identicard for now, bank account. And all you have to do is, again, let me reiterate, make sure you pay on time to actually truly enjoy these facilities. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to address about gig economy, right? So I guess to summarize, the demographic in Southeast Asia, the macro environment, and the synergy verticals like e-commerce are all very strong factors to aid the growth of Binopulator in the region. Yep. And I think we have to be fair, Sume. Let's talk about some of the barriers for audience. Well, I think the biggest barrier now for Binopulator is really the regulations. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of regulators are reviewing the service amid concern of potential consumer debt bubble from happening. And I guess the providers have to start thinking about how they are going to accommodate the requirements from different countries as they will come up with different requirements. And I guess we can capture this in another episode. So... Okay, before, before we actually end this episode, I would like to give a long-term perspective on Buy Now, Pay Later. So in my humble opinion, I think Buy Now, Pay Later will continue to grow and it will be an exponential growth in Southeast Asia. Okay, so if you look at it, the credit assessment model of Buy Now, Pay Later will is eventually become more matured as they learn more data from the transactions. So we all know how powerful a data flywheel is. So it is easier for providers to introduce different credit facilities to users in the future. And if you look at how Klarna is transforming now, it may, on, it may not only limit it to the credit facilities, right? I, I believe um, some of the binary pay data providers are already on their way to build a more robust ecosystem for the users to, to keep them to stay in the network. So to be fair, I think credit card itself from the legacy banks still has their own prepositions. However, um, I'm not sure like how it will transform and in the future, but I think in my opinion, they will shift to serve a different segment of consumers as they actually have a preposition of giving rewards, cashback, mileage, special access to airport launch. So it might be a status of luxury. So I, I guess we, I don't see credit card will be replaced that soon, but definitely they need to come up with a game plan to actually embrace this buy now, pay later in the market. Yeah, that's all about today's podcast. Let us know some of your thoughts about buy now, pay later. And also, if you have any feedbacks for us, please reach me at sumay at or jessie at 
Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Asia Tech Room by Twinbit is a new bi-weekly podcast focused on unraveling the technologies and digital companies shaping Asia tomorrow. It's co-hosted by me, Jesse, and me, Sumei. We are both business strategists, entrepreneurs, and self-proclaimed technology enthusiasts. Sometimes we have industry leaders and other market analysts as our guest hosts too. Remember to tune in and share with us your thoughts and feedbacks. We really do appreciate them. Until the next episode.